0: All right, hour number two on a Monday. February almost done. That means March is on the way. A lot of sports crashing into each other. Mets and Cardinals up here on the TV. Spring training stuff underway into next month. That regular season will fire up. Longhorn Baseball. Gets two out of three over the weekend, and they're getting ready for LSU. Longhorn Basketball going to Waco and losing by nine. Looked good early, but they did not finish the job. And we're talking about their situation today as well. We were just going over some Cowboy stuff last hour. Also, it's Combine Week. Thursday is when the Combine workouts start. And if you're a Longhorn fan, you might be interested to know that Bijan Robinson is going to go through all those workouts. That means Bijan and Roshan would be on Sunday in those running back workouts, Thursday, the other Longhorns that will be a part of it. Uh, With the D-line and linebackers, that's Thursday. That starts at 2 o'clock on Thursday. Everything's on NFL Network if you want to watch the Combine. We'll be talking about that throughout the week. It is Chad and Zay. I'm Chad Hastings. Isaiah Collier alongside. Coming up in our Flex segment, Zay is going to be there tomorrow night for the big high school basketball matchup we've been talking about uh, as stony point and buta johnson did both get it done we'll get you set up for that one coming right up but right now it is the vaqueros cafe and cantina hotline our weekly conversation with joe cook of inside texas and on three.com you can uh, hit him on twitter at joseph cook 89 joe how are
1: you Doing great, guys! Thanks again
0: for having me on. Man, thanks for the time. Uh, obviously, a couple, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, interesting uh, kind of Longhorn paths here. And when it comes to basketball and baseball, there certainly was some good, but then ultimately, uh, maybe some things we need to to dig into a little bit. Let's start with basketball. Go to Waco, get a good start, but ultimately they lose it by nine. What did you make of eighty-one seventy-two? And and how alarming was it for you if it was?
1: First off, I think you got to look at uh, what Baylor did, and, and that's that even without Keontae Johnson for most of that game, they still shot like 50%. I think they were over 60% in the second half. Um, some guys who aren't typically threats to score were scoring. Uh, so, of course, it's always a little bit of, you know, what is Texas doing? What is Baylor doing? And I felt that it was a lot of Baylor finding good offense. But still, uh, there were some opportunities for Texas on defense that they, that they assuredly missed and Baylor took advantage. So credit to them. Um, as far as what happened after that, uh, you know, the first opening run, um, I think you could tell not only by the stat line, but the way that the Bears are playing defense that they really did not want to let either Jabari Rice or Marcus Carr or Timmy Allen, uh, be the guys who, you know, did most of the damage. And yeah, it's tough to, to cover three different guys. Uh, but you know, often those three guys are on the floor at the same time, and if you really you know make life tough on them, well, then it either falls to Dylan Dessou or sometimes whoever that fourth guy on the floor is. And a lot of credit to Dylan Dessou for making sure that he took advantage. You know, he showed a lot of really good touch in the in the lane, and then he started hitting three-point shots too. So great game for him. Something Texas wants to see more of. Uh, but at the same time, you know you, you, they, Rodney, Terry, and everybody else have to find ways for those guards to still contribute, uh, and Timmy Allen, too, to still be able to contribute even when opponents are putting a lot of focus on them. So uh, I don't think it's the, the end of the world. Um, I think the game kind of regressed to the mean right at halftime because uh, you knew Baylor wasn't going to stay down for long, and uh, you got to give them some credit for being an athletic team that can uh, really, No, you know, damper what Texas is good at. But not panicking, but uh, at the same time, you know, you're probably going to see a team like that if you make it to the second weekend and you got to be able to overcome some of those issues. Hmm. Yep.
2: You know, Joe, right now with Dylan Mitchell, I'm getting a lot of deja vu of Greg Brown. I know you remember two years ago when Greg Brown coming out of Vandergriff and, you know, a lot of people thought – You know, with his ups and downs during the season, people would say, you know, he should have went and played out of Mount Vernon or an Oak Hill, you know, one of those top schools. But at the end of the day, he just wasn't ready to go to the league, even though he got drafted. You could see now he just got waived and Dylan Mitchell, 10 points, you know, 0 for 1. He had a huge turnover in the game, zero points, you know, 10 minutes. I mean, and it's just like. He's really regressing. And the fact that he starts and the way that they play him, like, they they don't even worry about him. So they have so much focus on, like you just said, Sergeant Barry Rice and Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr. It's just like he's getting cardio out there. And I've been so persistent or consistent on, you know, the Horns being a nine-team rotation. But it seems like Coach Terry, like you might have to get Dylan Mitchell out the lineup, which sucks because he just offers so much. But I think he's the type of player that he might have to come back next year because I don't – I feel like he's going to be in a Greg Brown situation where he could get waived in a couple of years just because he's not ready. He hasn't developed like we thought. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, that, that's looking far down the road, but I'm with you. And, I, you know, even thinking about Greg Brown, Greg Brown was probably tasked with more uh, on the Texas offense that year, I guess, because, I don't know, probably a multitude of different reasons, a little bit different skill set, but uh, same physical profiles for sure. Um, you know, with Dylan Mitchell, yeah, he, he's been he's been a, pretty much a, a, net, a zero contributor on offense. Um, I thought, you know, sometimes we all give the, the Longhorn Network broadcast a, a little, uh, you know, friendly chide every now and then. But Lance Blake said something earlier in the year that I think really holds true and that he's a parasitic player on offense. And what's weird is, you know, when he says that, he means he's got to, you know, work off of others. In order to get his points, still it's kind of odd. You'll see Texas start. I think the last two games they started with offensive action just for Mitchell, so they're trying to keep him involved. Uh, but right now, right now he just doesn't have the the requisite, you know, offensive skill set in order to you know make things happen and be a threat to opposing offenses on his own. He's got to work off others. I think a, a second year would, would probably be beneficial to him. Um, I think if you show him the, the Greg Brown tape and his current status, uh, that may be a convincing argument, but I will credit Mitchell for, you know, when he is on the floor, he's still a really active defender. I don't think he lets one end of the floor uh, really act as a detriment to what he does on on defense, uh, but because his offense has been such a, you know, zero add for Texas, that's why it's Seems like even though he's in the starting lineup, his minutes have been limited, and Brock Cunningham's up there a little bit more often than, than Mitchell uh, in, in crunch time.
0: Talking with Joe Cook of Inside Texas on 3.com, Joe, another zero point performance that certainly hurt the Longhorns in Waco was Brock Cunningham. Uh, seventeen minutes 0 for two. He did not was you know, was unable to give him anything. Couple of rebounds. What'd you make of that performance? Because he'd been so good for Texas lately.
1: Yeah, he, he had a couple opportunities at three point shots that I don't think he hit, and that was you know what he had been doing pretty well over the course of the first uh, of the past few weeks. Um, I think part of it was just the Baylor athleticism. This guy Scott Drew is really good at uh, getting you know getting a hold of and and molding and adding to their skill set, but that athleticism is uh, you know baseline for playing for Scott Drew, and that's really caused some problems for Brock Cunningham. That and just size—the guys defending him were a little bit bigger uh, than he was. So, um, and whenever you're Scott Drew and you're playing one of his teams, you know that that one-three-one is going to be part of life. And Cunningham's been pretty good, uh, kind of moving in and around the paint, but that one-three-one makes it tough for that to happen. And whether that leads to him creating or uh, getting some short area shots, it's not easy. So, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of what Texas. The problems had to do with matchups um, and, and even just style. You know, without Keontae George on the floor, instead of becoming a, an offense that focuses strongly on him, uh, it became an offense that spread things around. And I wonder if Scott Drew looks at that going into to March. But um, I, I don't see a, a ton that, you know, I would really carry over into the coming games. Uh, you know, I thought that eight-minute stretch was kind of, there were some people in our game that on inside Texas, like, why is it Rodney's carrying to calling timeout? And to that point, I'm kind of like, well, what's the timeout message going to be? Hey, guys, make shots. Like, there, there's only so much <laughs> that can happen. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not as concerned about this loss as I would be for, for some of the others. I think it had a lot to do with Baylor just hitting a lot more open looks and, and even some guarded looks than Texas was able to do. Uh, on, on, on Saturday. Mm. Yeah,
2: Joe, I came into the game thinking better was going to get the dub, especially off the back-to-back losses they had against Kansas and Kansas State, but let's go to the baseball diamond, the Horns. They get two wins over Indiana. They lost yesterday well, where David Pierce said that might have been the worst performance that he's ever seen from one of his ball clubs in all 30-something years he's been coaching, and now they got a really good Tigers team coming into play tomorrow in LSU. What, what do you think Coach Pierce meant by that, and do you think you know they could turn that around, especially when you play a good team from the SEC tomorrow.
1: Yeah, what what Coach Pierce was talking about is, you know, I don't know if y'all ever watched, but whenever they're looking for signs down the third baseline, they use a quarterback wristband, basically, uh, corresponds to something. Um, I don't know if y'all saw this, but the the Indiana catcher had three caught stealings yesterday, uh, and you know, the, a lot of that had to do with. What Coach Pierce said: in, uh, Just guys missed signs, Men's, meant they couldn't read the card right. So uh, that's an easy fix. Uh, but man, it's, it's uh, you're kind of like, dang, we got to fix this right now. So um, but luckily, uh, you know that, that was part of a uh, just ended up in Texas not getting the sweep. They had won the series, um, and it's definitely something easily fixable going into Tuesday when they face LSU should be real interesting. Uh, I don't think they dropped out of the number one spot in D ones ranking, so I haven't taken a look yet. Uh, will be a big test for LeBaron Johnson. You know, uh, David Pierce called him the probable starter yesterday. Uh, he had a really good start against a and Corpus Christi last week, but this is not a and Corpus Christi. But, you know, several of the best players and even some of the best hitters in the country are on this LSU team with, uh, you know, Cade Beloso, I think, being the one – to remember, and it's not him, Dylan Cruz, and it's not him, and the the list goes on and on. So, um, you know that the reading a card it seems pretty easily fixable, uh, but you know that 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 was kind of the only big detriment uh, on a weekend that turned out to be uh, pretty good for the Longhorns against a team that you know is a power conference team and should be all right in the Big Ten.
0: Now Joe, I was going to ask you, we had a listener who was texting about who are they going to go with pitching-wise against LSU. Sounds like it is going to be Johnson. Do you like that move on a Tuesday game that's this big? And then tell me about those other two wins in the series. What what what, are, what were the good that came out of it for Texas getting the, the series win? You
1: know, I do like that move, especially because, you know, if you remember last week, I think last Thursday, uh, David Pierce made the Sunday starter TBA, and of course, it ended up going to Travis Daly and he, who again had a pretty solid outing and uh, just the you know a few straight singles and one of his own mistakes, a ball cost him a chance at a win, and ended up getting him a loss. But um, I, I do like the move. I think that uh Johnson is someone that uh, David Pierce would like to contend for a starting role, and if not, they like they would love for him to be able to be the guy who makes Tuesday's go by pretty quickly and uh, becomes that fourth starter for Texas. So uh, I, I do like it. As far as the rest of the weekend, you know, it was really good to get another nice outing from from Lucas Gordon. Uh, it was good to, you know, I think he learned a lot about Chris Stewart, uh, the left-hander, uh, junior college transfer. Uh, I think he's from the Netherlands, but uh, you know, he's someone who has uh, been a very effective left-handed arm so far. He did give up a. Uh, I think the go-ahead runs yesterday, but outside of that, he's kind of been a fireman and and coming and done well. Um, Porter Brown, obviously on offense, uh, you love seeing him be able to go out of the park. Texas, you know, they obviously lost a lot of home run production this past from last year to this year, uh, but if you can get a three-hole guy to still be a power threat, um, you know, I think that that home run on 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 Friday, if y'all paid attention. That was into a real stiff wind. So he got the help of the wind yesterday and had to go against it on Friday. So having that power there, um, and then you know they're still uh, running bases. They're they're. Uh, I think like David Pierce was upset because those three caught stealings weren't always the exact same thing he called. But they've been aggressive on the base pass. You saw it work pretty well against a and Corpus Christi. It's going to be a, a consistent part of the offense this year. And, I think they're starting to round into form on that front a little bit more, uh, even aside yesterday's uh, collection of mishaps. Gotcha.
2: Joe, Bijan Robinson said he's going to do a lot of the drills in the NFL combine this week. You see Jalen Carter out of Georgia. So he's not going to do anything physically. And, you know, B. John, he's probably going to be most likely the first running back taken. And I said earlier, you know, it just kind of just shows his competitive nature where a ridiculous person on the Specs text line said, well, if he were competitive, he would have played in the Alamo Bowl. Well, Bijon's competitive. He's not stupid. There's a difference. <laughs> what, what benefits him doing all these drills? at the combine because, again, we know he's going to be the first running back taken.
1: Yeah, I think with a position like defensive tackle, uh, when you're talking about Jordan Davis, you know, teams definitely value that. Uh, maybe not as much as someone like defensive end or obviously quarterback, but uh, someone who you know is going to occupy a double team for the next however many years in the middle of your defense. That guy's got value, and he, you know you may not really need to see if he what, if he's running a, you know, four eight or four nine, which is ridiculous to even think of for someone that big, or if he's benching, you know, twenty five thirty reps at two twenty five. You don't need to know that, uh, but with because of the position he plays with Dijon, you know, he's a obviously. I think if you had to just straight up rate the prospect, he's a top ten, maybe even top five talent in this draft. But it's the position he plays. It's running back, and the way that that's viewed by the league to where a lot of these teams, uh, you know, they, they want to just take guys and get the most out of rookie contracts, not really have to pay them a, a big contract or, you know, not be the team giving them extensions you know, getting veterans or getting the, the rookie contract to make it work. So for B. he's got to go there and prove that, hey, you know, I am worth a first-round pick. I am worth a very, you know – close to the top first round pick too. And I think we can see all the stuff that makes him great on on that film. Uh, But the one question a lot of people have, is it his quickness? Is it his hands? Is it his build? Is it anything about, you know, his character or or anything related to that? It's just his straight line speed. Uh, And I'm a little bit surprised that he's running it, to be honest, and not saving it to pro day. Uh, But there's that competitive nature coming out trying to prove that he is – uh, you know, a, a, a true competitor. And, you know, if he is a type of player that at his size, I think he's like, what, 6'1", probably around 215, 220, playing weight obviously 220, if he can do all the, you know, do great with all the drills that we know he'll be great at and then throw something in the 4'4 range, um, heck, even the low 4'5s, I think there would be a huge benefit. Now, I think he, if he throws something in like the four six five or over range, I think a lot of teams may start overtaking that. Uh, but I think that's just the risk that Bison's willing to take in in trying to make sure that he's a, you know, a top twenty pick or something like that.
0: Talking to Joe Cook inside Texas on three dot com at Joseph Cook eighty nine on Twitter. We do it every Monday about this time. Lots of Longhorn stuff going on right now. Joe, we appreciate it, man. Have yourself a good week. Enjoy that LSU Texas matchup in baseball, and we'll talk to you
1: next week. No questions about Aggie baseball this weekend? Yeah.
0: I did not have a question about Aggie baseball. Portland. If, if you'd like to I told you that they They're they're lulling you all into complacency. That's what that's what m baseball does. Early losses that you focus on and then they just keep getting better. That's what I'm counting on, Joe.
1: <laughs> I think that'll probably be the case and uh, hey, we'll find out when uh, the two teams match up and and at Bluebell Park in April. So, yeah. Uh, thanks again for having me on, guys. Yes, sir. Thanks, Absolutely.
0: Joe. Yeah, the Tuesday game this week, of course, is LSU at Texas. Later on in the season, it will be Texas at Texas A&M uh, for a Tuesday game. So you can't say the Longhorns are scheduling all week mid-conf- so m- uh, midweek games.
2: Did y'all get swept?
0: No, I think they – Lost the series? Somebody said, how about Aggie baseball team getting uh, – somebody says worked by Lamar in Portland. I have not uh, – I do not know if they lost – I think they lost a game to Portland. I okay. don't think they – I don't believe they lost the series. Okay. we would have to double-check that. All right, not bad. Not bad, baseball. uh, We have to go to break. I don't have time to check these things, Zay. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, Flex segment coming up next. Stony Point moving on. Buta Johnson will be there waiting, but Westlake falls in the second round. We'll get you that and tell you where you can see that big matchup tomorrow night. Our man Zay is going to be there. Don't move. It's the horn. in there we go I was waiting for his voice sounded like them, if hit this voice comes in, I know it. Otherwise, I was in big trouble. This would be the Scorpions. That's right. Woo! Uh, big City Nights. That's right. Yeah, That's good stuff. One of my favorite voices in that world. The great Klaus Mein and the Scorpions. Alice Cooper and Robert Dupree have all been a part of the show today. I think the Scorpions are still out there. I think they're still touring from time to time. I think they were on that White Snake tour that had to be shut down because White Snake couldn't finish it. But I think the Scorpions were still out there. Shout out to the Scorpions. Shout out to Zay for all the great music, and shout out to you for being a part of it today, Longhorn fans. Trying to go through the good and the bad of the weekend, including a series win against Indiana, the good. But that last game did get weird. Lack of communication, not being able to read the wristbands the way Coach Pierce wanted them to. And Zay, when you win, when you sorry win, when you lose a game 4-2 and say it's one of the most embarrassing of your career. It's That's wild. That's, that was just kind of jarring I think for a lot of people but you understand it. I mean, new staff this year, he's talked about the stuff when he's on with Bucky and Aaron or you hear him on the game broadcast where he's talked about the communication needs to be built up with a new staff and younger players and it's just the worst version of it showed up yesterday.
2: Yeah, I don't care what happens Friday and Saturday, the skip wants us to play all three games. Plus we got SEC big time, LSU coming in on Tuesday. We we got to keep this cranking. This is Texas. Yeah. We we get to Omaha every year. Like the pressure's already on, Skip. Yeah, and, and when, that's just what it is.
0: And to me, when you are badass in college baseball, it's not just because of Fridays and Saturdays. When you're badass in that sport, you're badass on Sundays, you're badass on Tuesdays. And a few years ago, that's what we've watched in this run with, with Coach Pierce. He's put teams together that I've talked about it because of the pitching depth and how good they are with the bats. You do not want to be average against them on a Sunday. But yesterday they were on the r- way on the opposite end of that stuff. So they got things to work on, and you got the number one team coming in. LSU's number one, despite the fact that they did lose. Their loss was a little troubling if you're an LSU fan. They lost to Iowa, who I think is pretty good, but they lost 12 to four. Uh oh. So that's one of those where up in up in Round Rock is a little uh, a little bit of a blinking light. But they did get big wins in the other games. So that game comes up tomorrow. We've hit a lot of that stuff. By the way, I did double check the schedules, Zay, and some of our our listeners are verifying that a and did in fact lose that series to Portland so let's make sure we're clear about that I don't want to be running from any of the facts here they did lose 10 to 3 and 4 to 1 then they did salvage a game uh against Portland Five to four. So the Aggies have lost to Lamar, and then they did lose two to Portland. Mm. Not uh, a fantastic start so far to the season for the Aggies. They are four and three. Longhorns three and four. Sounds like both of those teams maybe need a little, little chance to develop before they get to that March 28th matchup in College Station.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a heck of a matchup, but just got to take care of what's in front of you and right now the Horns got LSU tomorrow. We know they're number 1 and again, you can't do what you did on Sunday and expect to beat this Tigers team tomorrow. It just can't happen and that's why David Pierce was so upset and don't get it cleaned up. Yep. But ahead. he put every he put all those guys on blast cuz that's embarrassing when your coach that you love and that you play for goes out and says out love all the teams that he's coached. Like that's a lot of years—thirty-something years. years like years, yeah. that's mo years, and I've been alive. And so that was the worst performance he's ever seen. Most embarrassing performance he's ever seen. I'll wake
0: you up that will yeah that's tough Yeah, I'm sure all players and coaches were paying attention to that one uh, looks like it will be LeBaron Johnson going for Texas tomorrow be interesting to see how he responds to such a situation there with LSU coming in so lots of Longhorn stuff on the board obviously we've also got a little high school basketball to talk about playoffs continue and we got the matchup we wanted let's go flex here all right Zay we were talking about it for the last couple of weeks and it did uh it did happen the matchup is set Stony Point handles their business you were actually there to see it we'll get your thoughts on that they went 72 7250 Buta Johnson wins their game 61.57 so they will meet in the next round tell me about Stony Point looked like by the end of it they were certainly in control what kind of game did they get from Cibolo Steele?
2: yeah Cibolo Steele, they're a tough ball club you know but Just Stony Point, there's such a force to be reckoned with. Josiah Mosley, people think that they can just double-team him, but it's hard to double-team a guy that steps on the perimeter too, even though he's 6'6", 6'7", with that almost 7-foot wingspan. Cibolo Steele was down by about four points Mm -hmm. in the third quarter. Then Josiah Mosley started bringing the ball up the court. Three minutes later, Stony Point's up by 15. Wow. Okay. He just starts bringing it up the court. He's throwing these outlet passes full court. They hit a couple of threes. John Eric Mosley, he was good. Tinky Moran, he was terrific. And then Josiah Mosley, once they start hitting threes on the outside, you start focusing more on the perimeter shooters. That opens up the lane for Josiah Mosley to get to his spot. So he's hitting short corner jumpers. He's dropping dimes to guys. He's just such a tough guard. So Buda Johnson, as good as they've been all year, Co district champs in 26 6A, it's going to be tough for him because I love Sam McKinney. I love Quentin Hairston, but those guys, they're going to have their hands full with Josiah Mosley. It's just so hard to double them. And Mm -hmm. we'll see what Coach Kennison does as he plays a little bit of zone, but then you got to worry about those shooters on the outside for Stony Point. It's not just Josiah Mosley, you know, and then you got uh, um, Button, your eyes of Button. He's a very good player. The sophomore point guard, he can do a lot. So just the matchup, Jackson Vandergaard versus Button, and then obviously I just said McKinney and Hairston versus Josiah Mosley. It's going to be a terrific game, and Coach Thompson's team versus Coach Kinnison's team, one team was the best down south, one team was the best up north, and now round three matchup to go to regionals. Is what it's all about.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. So tomorrow night, and Zay predicted correctly kind of how this one would lay out, uh, Burger Center felt logical to, to some people. That is where it ends up. Burger Center, tomorrow night. 7 o'clock. Zay will get you even more of a preview tomorrow. He will be there. He and Roger Wallace bringing it to you on KBVO. So if you've been watching their broadcast throughout the season, this would be the biggest one they've had. Playoff matchup in the third round of the playoffs. So congratulations to Stony Point. Congratulations to Buta Johnson. Congratulations to all the other teams that advanced. Unfortunately, Westlake did not advance. San Marcos deserves the congrats there. The Rattlers got him. San Marcos beat Westlake 54-48. Good luck to to San Marcus as they do as they uh, advance and Westlake certainly had a great season 30 31 wins I think is where they ended up but uh, it ends early for them in the uh, the playoff run, Zay, Westlake is out.
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot earlier than they usually go, but they had a really good team this year. They just went up against a very, very good Rattler ball club led by four-star Malik Presley. Everybody wants him, including Texas. The lefty he could jump out the gym. He has a smooth shot, and every time I see him, he just gets better and better, so he's a load, and I'm not surprised Sam Marcus is moving on to the next round. Not at all.
0: So uh, check out FLXATX.com for all the basketball stuff. Also, follow FlexATX on your social media. Got a lot of great stuff there. I'm on the Twitter account right now, at flx. ATX. People sending in videos. If you've got those Flex videos, whether it's in-game videos, or I'm looking right now, Zay, at a squat performance in the weight room from Weiss's big D lineman, Chad Otutu, a name people might remember from last year. He is a senior this year, and uh, they threw a video up of him getting some work done on the squat rack, uh, and thanks to Coach Hughes for getting that out. Flex retweeted it. You can go see it at FLX ATX. Also, a congrats going out on the volleyball side of things a uh, young lady named giovanna mason has committed to vanderbilt and uh, flex retweeted that thank you to austin jr volleyball for letting us know about that and congratulations to giovanna she is moving on to vanderbilt to play volleyball good for her very cool. Nice. Yeah, so let us know about those commitments. Let us know about those offers. Send us your videos. Uh, if there is an athlete in your realm that you feel like maybe needs a little love, needs a little attention, needs a little shout-out, uh, let the Flex crew know about it at FLXATX on social media and we will mention it on the Flex segment. We do it at one thirty each and every day during our show. Uh, Bucky and Aaron, 8.30 in the morning, 11.30 during Light the Tower, and then Rod and Harge, it, Ball Don't Lie, they hit it around 345 or so in the afternoon. Shout so. out
2: to E. Hogan for the S-bomb today going out the show. That. Legend. We've all done it. <laughs> Even the legends. It makes me feel a lot better about my
0: F-bomb earlier in the year. He, uh... He did try to cover. He tried to cover enough to where I think that maybe is why Ty didn't dump it because it had a little bit of a – he didn't quite land the Mm. end of the word and he kind of turned it into something else. He was talking about that uh, Alabama deal, which we haven't talked about yet today. But uh, the the latest little detail of that Alabama basketball story that – just doesn't look good at all. And probably a detail that somebody should have realized along the way. We will get to that at some point, I'm sure. Uh, up next, where are we at in society? Zay will let us know. We'll get back into some basketball talk at 2 o'clock. Damian Lillard went crazy yesterday. And the Mavs? Well, they went crazy in a whole different way. We'll get to all of it. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you are ready for the end of uh, the end of February, the beginning of March. There's a lot going on around here. Remember, Texas women's basketball, the big one against Baylor, is tonight at the Moody Center. It is a six o'clock tip. on the pregame, and that is over on our sister station, 105.3. The bat, congrats to Texas women for the huge win in Norman, and now they are going to uh, match up with Baylor tonight. So all that coming up. Stay with us. This is The Horn. Chad and Zay. Oh, I do love this little riff. All right. There's a couple things in my head now. Um, yeah, this is Rage. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, so good. Rage Against the Machine Ooh. and Killing in the Name of, right? Yeah, this is fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple song titles in my head. I couldn't remember which way it was. I love this band And I should love them more Everything I've ever heard I love And I should have Got into them Right at the run I should have seen them Live back in the day Yeah what year is this? Oh Rage is says 92 The 90s I was gonna say Yeah Right as This is one of the things I should have grabbed Coming out of that Grunge era I was kinda anti-grunge On parts of it I should have grabbed a hold of Rage A lot more than I did Really talented band Love the anger uh Tom Morello on and guitar and, and everything that they could do, man. The was it the Battle of Los Angeles? I can't remember if that's what this album is. Yeah. They had a couple great ones, man.
2: Yeah, your tennis country club ass. <laughs> I could see that being against the grunge era a little bit. Yeah. I could
0: see that. It, right. It wasn't some of the grunge stuff I, I, I fought back I pushed back too hard on. And this isn't grunge to me. Rage isn't grunge. They're a whole they're their whole deal, man. They're a great example of how a rock, hard rock, metal almost rap, hip-hop vibe can all come together. Like, it all can be there at the same time. They were very, very cool. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, The Scorpions, Alice Cooper, Robert Dupree have all been a part of the show today. We appreciate you being a part of it. Lots of good text rolling in today on Longhorn Basketball, the Cowboy stuff with Stephen Jones, and we're getting ready for the Combine. As B. John Robinson says he's going to do all the workouts at the Combine. We'll be talking about that throughout the week. We'll get back into some basketball stuff. At the top of the 2 o'clock hour, the confusion in Waco. Not just about the loss, but who's supposed to be on the floor before the game. Come on, Bears. Let's figure that out. We'll get into that. Plus, Damian Lillard going crazy. Mavs giving up. How big a lead? How big? We'll, we'll get to it. I don't want to deal with it now. I don't want to deal with it now. Oh, my God. Uh, right now, though, let's get you where we at in society. We'll see what Zay wants to do. Here we go.
1: Where are we at in society
2: today?
0: Alright, yeah, I'll I'll cry then. I wanna laugh now. Hopefully Zay's got something funny for us. All right, Zay, am I going to Twitter for this? Yes, please go to Twitter. This uh, was the funniest thing
2: okay. I've ever seen almost. Oh my god, I saw a little bit of this. Okay, Iowa go State, ahead. Michigan. The <laughs> game that was going on before Texas. I no that, no, no Iowa, Michigan Iowa, State. Iowa Michigan State, yeah. thank you. Yeah, Iowa, Michigan State. Game was going on before Texas. You had to watch the Texas game. I didn't see this because I was trying to watch the Texas game. On ESPN News. But it was a hell of a game. Went into overtime where Iowa ended up winning. They were down 79 to 91 with a minute 34 left. And a timeout was called. It's 91 81. So I was in the midst of the comeback. Yeah. And head coach for Iowa, Fran McCaffrey, just has a stare down with the official for about 25 seconds
0: official is at the baseline yeah the coach is standing I'm gonna say that like he should be a he should be go attending his team that's six feet away right yeah
2: about six feet and he comes a little closer yeah he just kind of keeps inching closer but it's just not saying anything he's not saying any words and the rest is kind of looking at him like I don't know what you want me to do coach I mean, you're not provoking me. I know you're down 10 right now. So, And by the way, they
0: did – correct me if I'm wrong. Don't they come all the way back and win, yeah, right? Yeah, they come
2: all the way back and win yeah. the game. So after he does this, <laughs> they go on a 10-0 run.
0: They hit every three you could think of.
2: Everything. <laughs> Force OT. It was awesome. And then Michigan State, they can't believe what happened, so they can't focus on overtime. But they end up losing the game. I'll definitely retweet this, ain't that underscore Zay. But, man, talk about just the mean mug. You've been terrible all game long, and you're about to just feel it from my facial expression that you've been trash all game oh, long. Oh, it
0: really was nice. And the, I, I, I approve of both sides of this because right in the middle of it, the coach decides to take a step. You know I'm a pro wrestling fan. So in true pro wrestling fashion, the official takes two or three steps forward. And I thought, uh-oh. Are we about to have a face-off? Yeah. Are we about to? And thankfully, thankfully cooler heads prevailed and adults prevailed there. Did you notice one of the players tries to get the coach back? Yeah, that ain't going to work. One of the players stepped up and kind of gave him a little hand on the waist like, yo, coach, let's figure it out. Then finally an assistant gets him back into the huddle. It was Fantastic, and then the fact that they start pouring it in, and the crowd went crazy. They tie it up and go and win the game in overtime. Was uh, was awesome. <laughs> that was yo. I
2: kudos to the ref because I know a lot of refs that will get in their feelings and tee somebody
0: up for that because it's disrespectful. Absolutely,
2: it's so disrespectful for yeah. Fran. Just. Dead eyes just looking at them.
0: But do you really want to be the official that is teeing dudes up just for staring? No. Because there are no words. There's no histrionics. There's no hand gestures. You never want to be that official. I wouldn't be that guy.
2: And one thing about me when I refed, I never wanted to give coaches texts when I could feel how hard the team was playing. Because it affects the team like, you're, obviously, you're showing up the coach and you're letting them know, hey, coach, you're doing this to your ball club by disrespecting me, which Fran did by right there by staring them yeah. down. But a lot of refs, they can't get out of their feelings, so they'll tee them up and be like, yeah, I showed you. Nah, these guys are playing hard. They're already down 10.
0: Let's go home. So in terms of now, when, when I fired up my DVR to watch the Texas game, this is what came on instantly. It's right at that point. But I didn't see the actual call. So, what was the call? I didn't see that either. I haven't seen what made him so mad. Yeah. Like, I'm assuming it was a basic foul call of some sort that he didn't agree with. It was a block charge, or it was just something. Uh, It was something that he didn't agree with. It was the course of the game, I I think. Okay. Or maybe it it
2: built up. I think it built up because now you're at the end of the game there you're down 10 there's a minute there you're not supposed to win that game no you are not which Tom Izzo that's brutal but y'all have got a lot going on up there yeah that's true Michigan State so I don't even know how you're able to coach right now and
0: he's on the road having it happen to him and that crowd gets on it and then they just yeah
2: yeah it's tough we know what's going on Michigan State but man Fran McCaffrey (laughs) that was cold-blooded I appreciate
0: that. I respect it. It was such a wonderfully mellow stare down. <laughs> like, because he's not a scary looking dude. He looks. No. He looks like you know. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have a little rage in him. I'm not sure. I'm he sure he has like, an he, outburst, but he looks like a mild mannered dude.
2: Yeah, he looks like he taught 9 a.m. sociology class this morning. Exactly.
0: Yeah, he looks like he can control his emotions. Right, and he does. And thankfully, he does not rush the guy. Thankfully, if I'm that official, I would have not have been able to keep a straight face. I probably would have cracked. <laughs> I'd have smiled or laughed or said something. The official, I agree with you. official kept it professional. He kept it professional, and we all got to move on.
2: These refs out here that get in their feelings are the worst refs. like understand the feel of the game. like you get all right, they're already down by ten. They're playing hard. It's Big Ten, right. big time power six basketball. I get it. Coach is yeah. showing you up right now. Let him have he a is second. He's showing you up. Let him have But it. he does look ridiculous. The fact that they're down, he looks ridiculous right now. He
0: does. And he does not, and, and as long as he does not make contact with you, shove you, push you, call you a name, whatever. Yeah. If it's just what he's doing there, you kind of got to let him Chat, do. Chad,
2: in the steel game against Stony Point, the steel coach got tossed. His guy got pushed to the ground. He was just come in the bat for his guy, and they toss his ass. In the playoffs, think about the heat of the moment. We win or go home. These are guys that Mm -hmm. you've been in the program for four years. You've seen them grown up. For 14-year-olds to grown men, now you're not going to get a chance to coach them anymore if y'all lose this game. And this ref tosses the coach, throws him out. Now this coach has to deal with UIL. Uh, issues because if you get tossed, UIL, you know you have to go to the board and oh, stuff. You might get suspended. Yeah, that's it. tough. But he was just protecting his player. Like, ain't no way in the playoffs unless if you call my mama a FOB something like that. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm not throwing you out the game.
0: See, that's why it's so tough when you're an official in. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of basketball and baseball. That moment has to be so huge, and it's even bigger in football because ejections don't happen in football very much for coaches or players. Um, But when you're going to make that choice in basketball or baseball, boy, you better know. You better know. That is such a big moment to chunk a coach, and like you're saying, especially if it's something at the high school level, yeah. you, there's no need.
2: Unless if they go Gene Hackman and say, yo, throw me out of the game right yeah, now. Yeah, right, throw me out. Th- throw, throw, throw me out of the game right, right here, right now. Oh,
0: come on. I'll say, what do you want me to call you? (laughs) What's your least favorite? What's your least favorite? Say the word. Whisper it, and I'll yell it back at you. That's it. That's the only exception. Dude, that was a great stare down. A great, great stare down. Uh, All right. Coming up, we will get back into some other other basketball-type conversations, including what Damian Lillard laid on the Rockets yesterday. Good grief. Zay's been telling you how good he thinks Damian Lillard is. The evidence grew a little bit yesterday. We'll get his thoughts on that, plus some other stuff going on. It is also Combine Week. We have an update for you on Bijan Robinson and if he's going to work out or not and some of the other big names at the top of the draft and whether they will go through workouts. Stay with us. It's the Horn.